Hi, I'm Zat us, and this is Arnav Rastogi, and together we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, we'll review what was an exciting week seven of the NFL season and look ahead to week eight. Let's get right into it. So the paradox of the NFL is that no team is out of it. And I think there is no better an example of this than the entirety of week seven. I mean, every game was competitive. Like this is the most one score games that I have ever seen in my life. Every team, good or bad, whether they performed well on week six or they were dominant in week five, they played good football, competitive football put themselves in a position to win every game. And I'm, I'm going to start out with the Saints-Panthers here. This was a competitive game. You know, the Saints coming off a bye, you know, everyone expects the Saints to be great. I mean, they have the talent and they've had it for the past three years. But the Panthers, they're no scrub. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has been playing lights out football. The offense has been playing lights out football in the absence of Christian McCaffrey. In terms of that defense, that pass rush came up clutch. You know, this game could have gotten out of hand if it wasn't for Brian Burns getting a strip sack when the New Orleans were in the red zone. This this could have been a two to three score game at halftime. It could have been over. But the Panthers' defense came up clutch. The Panthers' offense executed, and they kept it a close game. But the Saints eventually pulled ahead in the fourth and held that lead after the Panthers attempted a record-breaking 65-yard field goal, which they missed. But it goes to show that even though the Saints are this dominant team, the Panthers still came out and played a solid day of football. For sure. And, you know, when we did our off-season rankings, like the teams that we were really impressed with in the off-season, I had Carolina in my top three. And now we're really seeing that team, despite, you know, losing a guy like Christian McCaffrey and some other injuries on defense. This team, it's still the, the head coach, Matt Rule, is doing an incredible job. Teddy Bridgewater is playing some of the best football of his life. And that really goes to show you that, you know, they say that the NFL is a league of parity. And I, I don't think that 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 is like the most true statement you can make of this league. Any week, you, any given team has the potential to win. And especially when you're looking at, you know, a team like the Carolina Panthers that you just brought up. This, this you know, this wasn't a team that the huge, big star names and even the big star that they did have, Christian McCaffrey, they lost him to injury. And despite that, what are we seeing? We're seeing a football team that's well coached, that, that has talented pieces, and the most important thing, they're executing. And that's what we preach. We've been preaching on this show. All of these guys, they're talented. And what really makes this league so competitive is given that all of these players are talented, it really comes down to who is going to execute on Sunday. And Regardless of which team has the big playmakers, which team has, you know, the big name players, it comes down to that. That single, that is all it comes down to. Who is going to execute? And, you know, um, 
just on that point, we can take the Browns Bengals game. I think that's a perfect example for what you're trying to convey. Look, the Browns had all the playmakers. Um, even even with OBJ going down, um, prayers up for him. Hopefully he can recover uh, stronger than ever after the ACL that he suffered on Sunday. But even after OBJ going down, the Browns have serious talent on both sides of the ball. Um, but that wasn't reflected by the score. It was a 37-34 game. In fact, the Bengals, in my opinion, actually had the advantage and the Browns number most of the day. And why was that? Because they executed better than them. They played better than them. And it didn't matter that the Bengals don't have that much talent, that they're starting a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow who only has uh, six weeks of NFL experience. They came out and they played good football. But the hypocritical part of this point is that the Browns actually won uh, because they executed in the final three minutes and the Bengals didn't. But nevertheless, it just goes to show competitiveness of this league. Even in a Browns-Bengals team where one team clearly has the advantage in terms of the talent. Well, first of all, with that game, you've, you've got to acknowledge the fact that Baker Mayfield really showed up in the end there. But since we're talking about the competitiveness here of this game and really what kept the Bengals in this game and what you could even say put them in positions to possibly even win this game was not that they were throwing the ball down the field and having all these big plays and flashy playmakers. That's not what it was. It was smart football. Joe Burrow was getting the ball out immediately. He, Despite the fact that he got sacked an enormous number of times, when they did have good sustained drives and they were able to put points on the board, it was because of the play calling, allowing Joe Burrow to distribute the ball and not stay back there and take sacks. And that's really the difference. Even though the Browns defensive line is unarguably more talented than the guys that the Bengals have right now on that offensive line, they were still able to compete. And that's that just shows you the, the point we're trying to make. It's, it's not about who has the big names. It's not, it's not about who has the stars. It's about who is going to execute. And, and, you know, there were, there was another AFC showdown that I really want to get to uh, in terms of competitiveness, the Steelers Titans game. Now this game, unlike uh, the previous uh, game that we talked about Browns Bengals had no absence of talent. There were stars on every team and, and, this is a big, this was a big AFC showdown. I mean, this is, uh, this might be a future divisional game, even a championship game. What did you think of uh, the Steelers outlasting the Titans in that tight game? You know, going into this game, uh, we knew for sure that we were going to learn a lot about both of these teams. You yourself were skeptical of the Steelers and they played really well. They started off really strong. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that I'm actually impressed with Tennessee despite the fact that they lost because the question always for me was, you know, Tennessee was a team that was getting off to good starts and just kind of riding the wave and, you know, not letting teams come back. And they kind of just ran the ball one time of possession, you know, that sort of thing. But now in this game, they were down. They were down big. I believe they were down 27 to 14 late in the game. And at that point, I, you know, I was a little concerned and 
a skeptic myself of the Titans and what were the Titans going to do here? I really thought putting Tannehill in that position, I wanted to see if he could succeed. And I was a little doubtful if he could, but that, that was really, a this was a huge telling game for me of the Tennessee Titans. Cause up until this point, I guess there was a little part of me that, you know, questioned whether the Titans were the real deal, but despite losing this game, they were still able to come back. And I think really now that, the, the, the Ryan Tannehill from Miami is a completely different football player from the Ryan Tannehill we're seeing in Tennessee. And despite losing on Sunday, I still think Tennessee is, is an, Tennessee is an elite team in this league. There, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I think, I think it also has been the fact that Tennessee has been mediocre for so long that the fact that they're able to perform at such a high level is just so surprising to people. And, you know, we don't really put Tennessee ever up there with the elite names in this league. I can't remember the last time, you know, we considered them an elite Super Bowl contender year after year after year after year. But they have shown that this year and last year that they can be that team. And I think this team, you're right. I learned more about, I learned a, quite a bit about both teams, but I was more impressed with Tennessee and you stole my thunder there. The resiliency of the Titans is what surprised me and is why if these two teams meet in the playoffs again, I will take the Titans. Look, this team, you said, it was down 27 to 14. The odds were stacked against them. And Tennessee, they like, they're one of those teams where they play better with elite. However, what did they do? What did they do? Down 27 14, they stuck true to who they were. Run the ball through Derrick Henry and then play good situational football with Ryan Tannehill making the passes when they need to be made. And that's what happened. And Tennessee went down the field twice, scored. And this game, it was really a missed field goal that decided this game. If Tennessee makes the field goal, this is a tie game, and I am taking the Titans in overtime. And, I mean, the, it, it's incredible what this Tennessee team was able to do in such a short time after just battling and losing everything for the past three quarters. And so, you know, now I'm looking at these Steelers-Titans and the Steelers, yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they have that. But I'm more confident with the Titans in competing with the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC than I am with the Steelers. Yeah, 100% I agree with you. Then that just really goes to show there is no one top team in this league. All of these teams, they can compete. And, you know, looking at that Sunday night football game, I think that's a perfect example. Seattle at Arizona, just that was back and forth and Arizona really, they proved themselves in that game. And uh, you and I, we both did pick them because we knew the potential this team had. And I think we really saw that potential on Sunday night. What do, what's your big takeaway from that game? I mean, my big takeaway is that Kyler Murray played better than Russell Wilson, which is something that I personally was not expecting to say ever. I mean, this dude, Kyler Murray, outplayed Russell Wilson. The Russell Wilson that has thrown 22 touchdowns already. 22 touchdowns. Kyler Murray outplayed this guy. It was an incredible game. Incredible game. Um, far better than what we're going to see this week. 
with the uh, with the Eagles Cowboys game. I mean, Kyler Murray played excellent, but I also want to give credit to Vance Joseph and that defense. They he mixed up the blitzes, confused the Seahawks offensive line, and actually for once this season, I saw Russell Wilson struggling, struggling, not knowing where his receivers will be or where to throw. And overall, this Cardinals game, this might be the most complete game the Cardinals have put together. And this is the most quality win I think they're going to have all year, regardless of who they play. This was an excellent game by Arizona. And it shows that the Seahawks, as as hot as they were, we're not about to run away with the entire NFC, let alone the NFC West. I mean, Arizona showed up and they're not going to be the last team because this league, as we have been saying, is competitive and the Seahawks are not safe, even if they have a quarterback who's thrown 22 touchdowns and Arizona proved that on Sunday night. Just, you know, heading into overtime in that game, and I was watching, right? Seattle got the ball in, in overtime first, and I was like, ah, oh, that's it. That's the game. Russell Wilson's going to go right down the field and score. And then this Arizona defense makes a stop. And then you see Arizona goes for that field goal, they miss. And Russell Wilson gets the ball again. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's the game now. It's over. Again, the Arizona defense comes up so big. And I was just so impressed with the Arizona defense. And it's not, you know – if you look at the stats, it's not going to be pretty. And when you're playing Russell Wilson, of course, Russell Wilson made some incredible – so he made some throws that only he and maybe a handful of other quarterbacks on this planet can make in that game. But at the same point, right, when the chips were on the table, when in the key moments, that Arizona defense stepped up. And I think that's really all you need from them with – because. I have no doubts with what Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are capable of. If you pair those two and the pieces they have on offense with a defense that can come up clutch like they did on Sunday night, this is going to be a scary team soon. And I'm telling you that. And on, on the note of Kyler Murray, this guy, I'm telling you, he is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league in the near future. This this is going to be like a top three. He's going to be a top three quarterback in this league. I'm telling you. He is the next Russell Wilson. He is the next generation's Russell Wilson, in my opinion. He, I mean, he, his, uh, his leadership, um, mobility, the throws he makes, he is just a younger, faster, and possibly better based on what we saw Sunday. Russell Wilson and I just want to add that what's going to make this team even more scarier adding to what you said is that the Cardinals actually didn't execute well that game their execution could have we could have been better which I think will improve and happen as we get as we get later in the season because they had a 96 yard interception return and they were not able to score on that if they score on that, I don't think this game even goes to overtime. I think the Cardinals close it out in, in regulation. And so 
the fact that the Cardinals didn't even execute well and they, they still outplayed a red-hot Seahawks team, this is a dangerous team that nobody is going to want to play come the wild card, the divisional round, or even earlier than that, week 14 or 15. All right, now let's take a look at week eight in the NFL. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Who do you have here? I mean, I said it on last week's episode. The game against the Titans and this game against the Ravens is going to define the Steelers' season, set the tone, and tell me a lot about where this team is going. And the fact of the matter was is that the Steelers dominated the Titans for the majority of the game. Obviously, um, they got very lucky with the missed field goal, but they were the better team, in my opinion. And with that being said, this is nothing taking away from how the Steelers played. I'm just not going to bet against John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson coming off a bye. I'm not willing to bet against that. And so I'm going to take the Ravens here at home. However, by no means does that mean the Steelers are going to play bad in this game or they're going to underperform. This is going to be an excellent game. All right. Yeah, for me, this this is def- this is the matchup of the week, no doubt. And really, if the NFL could, I think they should flex this game into Sunday night and take the Eagles-Cowboys out of there. And really, yeah, this is going to be an incredible game. But, you know, just looking at the Steelers now, 6-0, and I think they've kind of, you know, been winning some – close games, stuff like that. And they've gotten a lot going their way. Now this Baltimore team, you know, they're looking to make a statement here too. They haven't been exactly, you know, even though they won that Eagles game, they haven't been the best version of themselves. I could 100% see the Steelers win, but I think at home Baltimore will take this game. And, you know, you you look at this game in in the perspective of uh, week 14 and 15, this is huge in terms of not only who wins the division, but playoff positioning. Because being a one seed and being a five seed or a six seed, there's a big difference. All right. Indianapolis at Detroit. What do you see here? Now, this game might not jump off uh, the screen as soon as you see it. Because these are, honestly, when you look at it, two mediocre teams. But a win here for either team is huge. With the Lions coming off a uh, clutch win in Atlanta, this will be a huge confident booster in what looks to be a tough, or the Bears and the Packers tough, uh, NFC North. And for the Colts, they have to compete with the Titans. And so a win here is also necessary for them. And look, I'm not going to bet against Matthew Stafford at home with the way that he has been playing. He has been executing and the defense in previous weeks had just been leaking yardage, uh, just giving up big plays, but the way that they played against Atlanta for most of the game, limiting two excellent receivers and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I like the way they played and Matthew Stafford. I'm going to pick the lines here. Yeah. For me, I don't know if I can really bring myself to pick the Lions. And I know at a three and three record, you know, you could make the argument that 
this is really a team that maybe should be, you know, four and two. Maybe they lost that first week to Chicago. That was a tough L. And they were actually had a really great start to the Saints game. And, you know, they've been up and down, but, and you can make, you could say the same thing about the Colts, right? But I don't want to really overthink this one. And I can tell that maybe the Lions are sort of getting going here. But if I had to just pick what's the better football team, Indianapolis is the better football team. All right, huge AFC matchup in the Raiders and the Browns. Who do you have here? Yeah, I mean, last time, you know, the when when it was Indianapolis at Cleveland, I remember I picked Indianapolis in that game. And I didn't buy Cleveland coming off a big win against Dallas. And now they're coming off, I guess you could say, a big win against Cle- against the Bengals. And even though the opponent may not be so great, it is a big win for this team, and I think it's a huge win in terms of Baker Mayfield and his confidence. But with that said, I think the Raiders simply need this game more than the Browns do. I'm going to go with the Raiders just because, you know, they're coming off that loss. I think they're going to – they they really desire that win right now this week, so I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Browns here, actually. Um, I think – despite the opponent in the Bengals, Baker Mayfield played excellent. And I called I called the Browns-Colts game. I called the Browns beating the Colts, and they did. And he played excellently in that game. And from that, I learned that in key matchups, in, in those big games, when the lights come on and when they are the brightest, Baker Mayfield shows up. And I think... He knows, as well as this team knows, that the this game is a huge game in terms of the playoffs and the Browns keeping up with the Ravens and the Steelers, who both are most likely making the playoffs. And so I just think there's a sense of urgency within this Browns organization, and I think they're going to really rally around OBJ and his injury. At home, I'm going to take Baker Mayfield and the Browns. All right. San Francisco at Seattle. Look, this might also, like the Lions-Colts game, seem pretty insignificant considering the 49ers have been ravaged by injuries and the Seahawks, uh, well, they have a red-hot Russell Wilson. But these divisional games are actually the most intense. And I think when you look at the Browns and the Bengals, you know, everyone expected the Browns to blow out the Bengals because – they were, they had, uh, the Bengals just didn't have any talent. Or you look at the Saints Carolina game, everyone expected the Saints to block Carolina because Carolina isn't a good team and the Saints are coming off a bye. But that's not the case. Divisional opponents know each other the best, and these games are the most competitive. But as I said when I began, the 49ers have just been ravaged by injuries. They don't have a good functioning defensive line that can get after Russell Wilson. And when you give Russell Wilson time in the pocket with a weak secondary that the 49ers have, things can happen, especially with the way DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have played. Seahawks at home, Russell Wilson coming off a loss. He's going to have his guys ready. I'm going to pick the Seahawks here. Yeah, I'm going to go to Seahawks as well. With them at home, I think they look to bounce back after the Arizona loss. But really, I think 
more than what you know Seattle does, I think this game kind of comes down to what San Francisco is going to do because they're going to look here to you know control the pace of the game. And if you've watched, you know, the last couple of weeks, San Francisco, big wins against the Rams and New England, but and what they've really done that's worked for them is that it you know you know say what you will about Jimmy Garoppolo, but with Kyle Shanahan understands exactly what his quarterback can do and he puts him continually in positions to succeed. But if it comes down to Russell Wilson or Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess I'm going to have to go with Russell Wilson. All right. Another NFC showdown in the saints and the bears. Yeah. Last night, the bears, uh, that's not great. That's not what I wanted to see. And I think, I guess you could say it has the potential to be a trap game for the Saints going into Chicago, right, in the Windy City. But I don't know. I think I think Saints will be fine. I'm going to go with the Saints. Yeah, I think this is also a great game for the Saints defensively to bounce back going up against a weak offense in Chicago. I mean, they were miserable against uh, the L.A. Rams. They played horribly on both sides of the ball. And I think – uh, Chicago, uh, their defensive line was really the only part that I could point to and say that was a bright spot. And they're going to go up against a top five offensive line in the Saints. Drew Brees is going to have time in the pocket to pass it down the field. It doesn't even matter if Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Michael Thomas aren't even there because. I mean, based on what we saw against Carolina, Traquan Smith and Marquez Calloway have really stepped up along with Jared Cook. I think the Saints go into Windy City, and I think they come out of it with a W. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 17th episode of the Backfield Rift. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll review week eight of the NFL season and look ahead to week nine. Until then, it's been Arnav Rostogi and Satvik Srinivas. Stay safe and take care.